Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. the Horror Hangout podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time. My name is Luke Condor with a Kate and joined by my regular co-host Mr. Andy Conduit Turner. Hello Luke, I'm missing uh, Ben today. He's, um, I was going to say where he is but I don't think we could say where he is. He's got lots of words. He can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not here anyway, he's, he's doing very important stuff. Yeah, um, for the good. Of yeah, that. we'll we'll, cl- we'll clarify that he's he's busy at work. He's not you know in mortal danger or cancelled or anything like that. He's fine. He'll right. be back. Not cancelled yet. Uh, we miss you, Ben. Hope you're not uh, stressed. Hope you're very relaxed in whatever, whatever you're doing. <laughs> you can't working too know. hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here we are. Have you? Um, we. We were going to say, let's do some horror news, but we had a quick look and there really isn't much horror news at all at the minute, right? Yeah, the, ho- the horror articles are flooded with just, it's Halloween week, everyone. Here's the top 10 horror things you should be watching right now, which mm-hmm. I'll give them publicity. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, shall we talk about the big thing that we have been working on behind the scenes on the other? I said it's the yeah. other podcast that I work on, but it's one of... What, about four or five dozen that you work on? Uh, not at the minute. I've only got a couple at the minute. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about... We don't have any news from any anywhere else. No one else is doing anything at the minute across the world. But we, Nothing worth paying attention to, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But this week, we're doing something special. Andy is, has directed uh, a special podcast series of horror stories called The Witching Hour. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, so it's exciting. I know we don't do much crossing the streams here, but um, yeah, on the Other Stories podcast, uh, podcast that you've been running for a number of years, Luke, the, you and the rest of the team have always have been kind enough the last couple of years to kind of give me the reins of Halloween. And this year we wanted to do something. We always pitch for ideas that we're going to do. And this year I decided to you know make everyone's lives difficult again by choosing something which is several episodes that are going to run over the course of this week so the first episode came out today at time of recording two days ago by the time this comes out but we're going to be running through the entire week right up to halloween itself 
um, with an episode of The Witching Hour, which is a, an audio drama horror story um, that covers one particular hour of time uh, from the perspective of different characters that are attending this ritual. So uh, once every once every 10 years, there is a ritual where people can gather around, they can make a wish and they can you know get whatever their hearts desire, but what they're gonna lose from that is yet to be seen. So before the story begins, there would have been a ceremony that a number of people who are gathered there today were also involved with, and you kind of get drips of that as we go through. But mostly it's the events of the one hour that follows the start of the story and your characters will spread and go across different areas and they will meet each other on occasion. They will cross over and interact with each other. And by listening to all of the episodes through the course of the week, um, you'll get the entire picture. Um, and just to make our lives difficult in the editing, what we did was we worked with a number of writers. It's not written entirely by me it was uh, an entire team of seven of our regular writers that we work with um names a lot of people who listen to the show will recognize uh, dan howard kev, kev harrison alexandra elroy the list goes on i can't i'll be here all night but um they have all written an individual story i was really keen to still get their individual voices and individual stories in there so their stories are their own and then i've just pulled a few strings to connect them together and have them fit into this big picture um and the idea is that you can listen to them in any order you like yeah uh so uh, as of as of recording this there's only one episode out so far but i think when this episode goes live there'll be free out three actually. yeah so go go check it out um and yeah enjoy yeah a little halloween treat for you and as i was saying much like you listen to this podcast here it's like a Halloween movies out, but then you need your eyes for them. Can't yeah. can't be driving a car while that happens. Can't be walking the dog or doing the dishes. Think of this as another way to get all that good horror into your brain while you yeah. rest your eyes. During October as well, that's everyone's prime objective is to consume as much horror-related content as, as possible. Um, so speaking of which, have you consumed anything with your eyes, ears, mouth, nostrils? Well, well... Well, um, certainly my eyes and ears have consumed a few things. Obviously, it'll be pumpkin carving season, so I'll be consuming some lovely yeah. pumpkin soup, I imagine, in the coming days. And the seeds, tell you what, you can toast those seeds up with a bit of oil and some salt and pepper. Delicious. Yeah, you can just buy them, I find. <laughs> but if you're going to have to carve a pumpkin anyway... That's true. People, then you get all the there's, seeds. There's so much waste with uh, pumpkin carving. You just see so much... Uh, so many seeds and, and pumpkin guts just lying around the streets. Seeds are the best <laughs> bit. Get, get, them in, get them in here. But before you consume yeah. those, we have now both finished Midnight Mass. Yeah. And the end did not disappoint. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, so spoilers, ahead uh, if people haven't seen Midnight Mass, I'd very much recommend watching it. Uh, but for the next two to, two to five minutes, uh, we're going to be doing some spoilers for Midnight Mass. Um, I'm interested, how do you rate it compared to Mike Flanagan's other Netflix horror uh, TV I, shows? I think coming up to the end of it, I think it's probably my favourite. I think, yeah. It, yeah, it's so good. It's so, I, I think you nailed it when you mentioned it briefly last week, Luke. It's the antithesis of what we then saw in Halloween Kills. Everything about it is so deliberate and so meticulously planned yeah like there is nothing 
and it might be something to go back and watch again. I can't think of a thread or something that was mentioned or even something that was visually introduced yeah. that isn't paid off and doesn't mean something and doesn't and doesn't get completed. It's very tidy. Yeah, and uh, there's like there's a couple of elements that I found really surprising, like story-wise. Um, and at the time, I was like, I think that's just broken the story. But it's only because it was so out of left field, and it still works. As a, it sort of kind of led towards the end. I'm talking about the death of one character that I just wasn't expecting at all. I felt like yeah. he was our main guy. Yeah, it <laughs> turned out not to be. Um, yeah, and that, that specific episode where he does. Uh, watch the sunrise I found I thought that was amazing like it was it was so good it was it was lovely in a weird way yeah and visually as well like what uh like it's so stunning with all the things um yeah it's so stunning that they put all those things together that they've um made of these decisions the bit when they're out in the ocean in particular the ocean is I'm not sure did they do you reckon they filmed it they found a place they could film that or do you think that it's they've done it like you know cgi uh, i think it's cgi um oh, some of the real c doesn't look that good no yeah uh it looks too controlled to be real footage um yeah it is it's really good i mean it's weird because it it has like a big horror moment at the end but then it kind of um slows down it's quite a relaxed horror ending if that makes sense yeah it's um, kind of nice. Do you think yeah. that do, I, I know there's a there's a potential for a loose end that could lead to another one? Mm. I don't think he made it all those thirty miles too far. No, I don't think so. Are you happy with the? Because um, I, I know someone who said they once they figured out what the the monster was, they kind of lost interest. But I thought it was really good. I don't know. I thought it was really no. I thought it was. I thought it was better. And actually, the the monster, the actual monster, monster. Mm isn't even the worst guy he's like yeah second worst guy at least it's that it's the lady who is basically the lady from the from the shop in the mist she's the main baddie yeah. he's the yeah. worst spent the entire thing thinking like don't want to wish death on anyone but yeah i hope someone gets you i quite like the way she her story ended with her kind of panicking and trying to bury yeah. herself like a crab or whatever they do uh, yeah, that that was the worst bit. I wouldn't have told her. I was well. You put yourself in a bin bag. You'd been alright, but no. Right, there's like loads of ways. They could have. Could they? There's like must be like tarp and stuff. Just hide in the yeah. tarp for twenty four hours. Figure it out. You but no. There's no time to think in this situation for them. Let's but, just sing, uh, some, sing some songs and explode. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is well, that that's the and again, we'll say spoilers one last time before we say it. When there's when there's vampires in it as well, one of the things I really appreciated because I always winds me up about vampire fiction. When one of the goodies gets got by a vampire and they're going to turn into a vampire, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean they're going to be on the vampire's side. It's like, yeah. well, I'm just going to be a vampire and then I'm going to still try and get you because I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm still going to think you're a dickhead and like yeah. my family. So it was nice, I think, that some of those characters. They didn't just become bad vampires. They were still on the level. Yeah, and the people who were like convinced that it was a good thing were kind of trying to reframe it through their religion to try and force it into that into that uh, more palatable mold, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then and yeah, like also there was this, this the entire episode where uh, the father guy is trying to convince 
our main character guy that it's a good thing, and then he yeah. just ends up uh, warning people. I, don't know, I just thought it was really good. It was really smart. It was really mature and lovely. Yeah. It, it, it does have a, a few too many monologues, I think, but not enough to uh, hurt. Yeah, I think they're the only things I could say about it is sometimes the monologues for some people, I think some people will find them perfect yeah. and they'll be really meaningful oh, because, as I said, they're, they're, monologue. They're, they're super, they're, they're really, really deliberate. Oh, here's another one. Yeah. It's proper like <laughs> Independence <laughs> Day speech, speech yeah. stuff. Yeah. You'll, be like, yeah. Yeah, you'll really get, you'll really love it. Yeah. Some people, they might be a little bit, they might be a little bit too much. The yeah. only other thing I might say about it is, do they live in a world where there is no vampire fiction? Because that would have been great shorthand to explain anything. Uh, yeah, they never mention it out loud, do they? They never so say said, we're in a vampire situation. It's not an angel, though, is it? It's a vampire, clearly. Obviously oh, a vampire. You're right. Yeah, I remember thinking that. Welcome <laughs> the angel. Mm, definitely not an angel. I've seen Salem's lot. How did he convince the vampire to dress up that, that time? Yeah, I think the angel... Uh, the, I'm convinced now. The, the vampire is... Is a kind of religious. I don't know. It's weird because he was well into it, wearing his dressed uh, up in his little robes for a special occasion. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was really good though. I liked it a lot, and I think that's the thing that, like, obviously with the the priest character in particular, you, you his motives are things that you question all the way through. You know, is he is he purely a villain? Is he just like a misguided but at his heart, good person. Yeah. And he's a really, the, the guy, I, I don't know the guy who played, but he does such a good job. The, the actor that plays the father, yeah. Paul, he's great. He's really, really good. All the bad things he does, he, he tries to just like make them fit his worldview. Yeah. And um, he is, and he, and you do believe that when he said that he does really care about the people, he doesn't want to be yeah, good. Yeah, he's, he's quite a nice guy, really. I mean, it's just yeah. the vampire stuff that's, questionable it's no, it's no good but yeah, <laughs> yeah. i am um, i i really liked it a lot i would recommend anyone watch it especially and ben isn't here to advise this i know he is the the perfect category like i think he enjoyed i'll put words in his mouth when he's not here i think he enjoyed <laughs> hill house well enough yeah ben with his michael myers voice <laughs> yeah. um now young ben you enjoyed hill house enough and then i think he was put off by Bly manor because that was like a like almost yeah. like a gothic romance rather than a horror thing, right? But yeah, if if you've been put off by that, go back and give this a go because I think it's not the same as the others, and I think you might you might enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it's the best TV show I've seen this year so far. We've still got a bit of time to go. Um, and did you see anything else? Um, I've been working my way through, and I know we might do something about this, since we did Halloween Kills, I've been working my way through some other Halloweens. I did the original again. We've done a whole episode on that one. Mm-hmm. I did Halloween 2, which actually is a fun slasher. It's hard to say from a mark of quality point of view. It doesn't have the iconic bits of Halloween 1, but I do like it quite a lot. It's a creative slasher movie. Um, yeah. and I'm on seat and I'm about two thirds of the way through season of the witch right now. My plan is, I think, mm-hmm. to watch the whole lot. I think Ben's already done them all, but then we might do a little special for the Patreon, right? I'll, we I'd have to rank them. I have definitely I've seen a lot of them in years. Uh, season of the witch, I watched last year, I think. 
Uh, I really like Season of the Witch. Yeah, it's really good. The Blarney Stone one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I watched... Um, I don't know why... It's uh, really into slashes, I guess, at the minute. But I watched Friday the 13th Part 4, A New Beginning, which is the one with Corey Feldman in it. What's that? Um, yeah. Oh, it's four the end and five is the new beginning? Oh, big button. Yeah, yeah. So four is the final chapter. That's right. Yeah. Um, the final slash there. And then the new beginning is the next one. The new, new beginning is one when he gets resurrected by lightning, right? That's five. That, that's six. In number <laughs> five... Even he gets dunked in, in, num- in number the, f- like- uh, number five. It's when it's not him. Corey Feldman is oh. not Corey Feldman anymore. He's grown up and he's in that home. Yeah. And there's an there's a guy that's annoying another man. He just chops this kid in the face for pissing him off about ice creams. Yeah. And then it's like a paramedic who's gone mad. That's actually the Jason. And that's then I think six is Jason lives. That's the lightning one. Lightning that's the lightning one. Yeah. So this one is like st- he's still just a normal guy to a degree. Like he's got like giant tombstone fingernails, and he's yeah. uh, it's it's it's, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's a creative slasher. It's very much a standard slasher, but it's got Crispin Glover doing some insane dance moves. Uh, oh yes, like so sad. <laughs> it's, it's like he's it's like he's been tasered, and he's just like feeling the currents every now and again. It's insane. Um, what else? Um, uh, oh yes, I watched Dune. Ah yes, I've got I've got trying. I'm behind on cinema blockbusters, so I've got. I haven't seen a Venom yet. I've still not seen James Bond's. Had no time to die, and I haven't seen Dune yet. But I'd like to see all of them. What is your review of Dune? The, the longer waited. Uh, so I've never seen the the old ones for some reason. Even though I'm a big Lynch fan, I've never read the book. Um, but I'm a big. I do like Dennis Villeneuve's. Uh, Oeuvre. Um, and this was like I went to the series at the IMAX and it it's like it gave me the same feeling I got when watching The Matrix the first time. Like it oh, yeah. absolutely like it mind-blowingly good. Like the visuals and the audio, like and because it's a really it's a really cool sci-fi world that I don't know anything about really. Like it's got it's really dark, it's really it's got kind of Warhammer 40k vibes at times, like you can see where these other things have pulled inspiration from Dune. Uh, but it's, um, apart, apart from the fact that it's, it's only like part one and we don't know if we're going to get part two yet. Um, it's like, I was just kind of blown away. I did, like, you know, when you're at the cinema, you think you're halfway through, you're thinking, I don't want this to end. I literally do not want oh, this film to end. Like it was like, no, that I end. definitely want to go and see it. It sounds, I've heard from other people who, whose opinions I really trust. I think they've really liked it. So that's great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's Oh yeah, and the worms. Like, I think the the thing that makes it work really well is it it feels massive. Like the scale of everything feels massive. So when like, the the big worms, like when they first when we first reveal them, like I don't know, I don't know how they pull it off, but it it genuinely feels like shocking how good and how massive and how big they feel. And like you feel like if you're in the IMAX theater, you feel like the seats rumbling. There's a worm sort of bubbling out of the sand. Amazing, like. Mate, like seriously amazing. Um, well, I know we've, got a, uh, we've got a we've got an IMAX near us. I might have to go and get and look. I saw some people complaining about the characters not being fully fleshed out or anything, but I don't know if that's the case. I think there's just a lot of characters and there's a lot of story to tell. Um, but 
Yeah, 100% recommend and seeing it in IMAX as well. One thing I would say, it was very busy in the cinema and they seem to have stopped like spacing people out. Um, I think just to get people, just to get tickets sold. So I yeah. sat right next to a load of people, uh, which... Like, were they good people or were you not a fan of them? No, they, they smelled completely fine. It's just that, uh, I don't know, you're a little bit wary still about COVID stuff. Um, yeah. Want to watch out for. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that like uh, we've been delayed going to the cinema a few times the last week or so. Like Karen has had a completely non-COVID related cough, but it's made her be like, oh, I can't go to cinema now because if I'm not even worried about other people, like thinking like if I go to cinema and I've got a cough, people are going to be like, yeah. looking at me like what are you doing like so um yeah we've been waiting for that to ease off before we go and see any of those films but now just in case I, I really want to of all these films i think june's the one i want to go and see at the cinema most but is it also streaming if that doesn't happen like um, or is it only in the us that it's streaming crack the old vpn out i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't know about i mean i would say if you've got a decent home setup i mean Maybe don't watch this one on your phone. Like the audio will be so powerful, it will vibrate out of your hands. Vibrate the phone out of your hands, drop it. <laughs> yeah. Those iPhones, Dangerous. classically fragile. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to go to cinema. I might just literally take a half day or something and have a yeah. couple of uh, little cinema trips. I still want to go see Venom. For some reason, I don't know why it's calling out to me to be watched. Uh, so try and get that scene. Was that your? Was that your? Was it what Ben said the day? It's got like a nice Saturday morning vibe or a Sunday. Was that you? That was me, but I haven't seen it, so I don't know why I said that. <laughs> just, just had the feeling. Just, just nice. They're all bright. They're bright yeah. coloured venoms in this one. There's a red one. There's a red venom. Yeah. Weirdly, I started rewatching. Um, they've got the '90s Spider-Man cartoon on Disney Plus. Still that on the other day. It's still amazing. Oh, I, I did a I did a binge of it a few years ago. I think I went through the whole. It's like five seasons, isn't it? I think. The whole the whole shebang. It's really good. It's really yeah. really good. I think for me that was my touch point for what Spider Man was for an awfully long time. Me too. Yeah, and then I think Ultimate Spider Man comics came out, and I kind of leaped onto those. Yeah, I read a lot of. I think I read all of the Ultimate comic, like Ultimate comics. I was big into the whole series. I didn't read the very, very end. I've read some of the ones where Miles Morales comes into it. I read it to... Did you yeah. read the big event, Ultimatum? No. I, so, I remember getting to it about issue 20 of Ultimate X-Men and then falling away from it a little bit. I read... I probably remember Ultimate X-Men the most. I think I read all of those all the way through. It's great. Really liked Ultimate X-Men. Um, I... I may have dropped off Ultimate Spider-Man a bit earlier and I didn't really touch the Iron Man stuff. I read all of Ultimate Fantastic Four, which was great. I really yeah. liked it. It's really, really good. Um, but then there's an event they had called Ultimatum where, and it follows on from the Ultimates that I also read, which was like the, it's their version Avengers. of the Avengers, it's which is really, really good. Yeah, but I do remember reading the first arc of the Ultimates. Um, that's pretty much where a lot of the movie stuff came from, right? Yeah. The, the whole vibe. Before that, Captain America had frilly bits. Captain like, America, Freddy Bits, um, Nick Fury was David Hasselhoff. Yeah, the Ultimate Universe is where he turned into Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, because yeah. they literally just drew Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they it came to an event they had called Ultimatum where Magneto is pissed off and he flips the Earth poles and loads of people die. 
uh, and I read it up to that and I don't think I read many beyond those ones. I used to have all the yeah. trades like way back, but oh, good, like good comics. I might try and, um, you know, you find a reading order list of like a huge, um, what do you call it? When it's like multiple comics doing the same running in. Yeah. I can't really call it you now. get like, you get other guides. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be, I'd be well up for that. Have you finished your, um, your JLA. Morrison run of JLA now? Uh, I don't know. Cause I've gotten onto some issues that Mark Wade's writing. Uh, I think I did like the tower of Babel and it's, it's the one after that and that. Yeah, I really liked that. I think that's the one I'm just starting with my read on it. Yeah, and that was I. That was the first one I read. I picked it up on its own just in a comic shop, and it's a Tower lot of fun. Babel, the one with yeah, Batman. Well, they use Batman's tactics to. Yeah, someone steals his plans and like yeah. practically kills them all. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. good. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's good. Superman's got long hair at the start, and he's blue at one point. Oh, the the electric blue Superman. Like, yeah. I've been listening to. Um, there's a couple of guys who were. That's what started me rereading. It, actually, sorry, superhero hangout time. But um, yeah. yeah, I was listening to um, a podcast called the JLA Cast. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is John and PJ, a couple of guys that we'll probably see at Thought Bubble in a couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Um, writers and comic creators and they are reading through this run and they have such a good knowledge of it and appreciation of it give, yeah. them, a, give, them, give them a little check out it's good jla cast i will do um but yeah other than that other than consuming all of those things yeah took on a classic this week uh yeah uh, so beetlejuice uh just to let people know there's a we found out like yesterday there was a whole Alec Baldwin thing. I don't think we're going to be going into that um, in this episode. I I don't think we want to. And also, I, don't, I think it's all up in the air as to what actually happened anyway. So yeah. we don't want to be uh, making assumptions or anything like that. Yeah, like it's uh, a, either way. It's a very sad thing that happened also, to those person. But yeah. Also, I'm fairly certain it's not the same Alec Baldwin. I mean, look at him. I always thought, <laughs> yeah. like, if you look at him, like in 30 Rock compared to this, it's not the same person at all. I was thinking that when it just came on, it's the same to Karen when we were watching it. Like, it is mad because, like, now yeah. with the modern lens, if someone says Alec Baldwin, you always think of how he appears in 30 Rock, right? That is just like, <laughs> yeah, that is like default Alec Baldwin. But here he is, like, yeah. obviously, you know, years earlier, but he could be a completely different man. You can see if you just yeah. close your eyes, just so. Um, squint your eyes, squint your ears a bit, sound like him a little bit. But yeah, but yeah. from my recollection, Gina Davis is the same today as she was in 1988 yeah. when this came out. She's not aged a day. Winona Ryder looks very similar as well. She, she's got the same face. But Alec Baldwin, I mean, um, Michael Keaton looks the same really in the face. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, that, that worm probably looks the same, I imagine. Yeah, here he um, is. Yeah. <laughs> so, Beale Juice is a 1988 American fantasy black comedy film directed by Tim Burton, produced by the Geffen Company, and distributed by Warner Bros. Pictures, if you, if you wanted to know. Uh, the plot result revolves around a recently deceased couple, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, who become ghosts haunting their former home and an obnoxious, devious poltergeist named Betelgeuse. Um, Pronounced on occasion spelled Beetlejuice, uh, from the Neverworld, who tries to scare away the new inhabitants. Uh, it's got 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 85% critic score, 
82% user score. The letterbox average is 3.8 out of 5. I'm kind of surprised it's not higher than this. Uh, the critics' consensus from Rotten Tomatoes is uh, brilliantly bizarre and overflowing with ideas. Beetlejuice offers some of Michael Keaton's most deliciously manic work and creepy funny fun for the whole family. Um, a couple of choice reviews from Letterboxd. Uh, these are quite... Um, these very hyper... I was going to say hyperbolic uh, <laughs> reviews. Uh, so Hyperbomb put, this movie is fucking gold and I will not associate with anybody who doesn't like it. It is pure blasphemy to speak ill of this masterpiece. Five stars. And then Givy put, Beetlejuice, more like stink bug water. This movie sucks. Half a star. So two opposite ends of the spectrum there. I'm surprised it's not universally loved. I've got to say, maybe that's my nostalgia. I don't know. I think there's a lot of... I don't think there's too much nostalgia to it. There's certainly a degree to it. But yeah, I can... It's one of those I'm surprised by as well. I think it's like of the same era of like your Ghostbusters and your Labyrinth, where I think everyone of, yeah, you know, certainly of a certain generation, you assume everyone would just think it was great. Yeah. I, it's um, very hard to separate from that as well. Like, I'm not sure what a young audience watching it today would think. Who knows? Yes. Um, I had to check it my dad this but so i don't remember much about my childhood i'm not honest you know somebody can remember they were, how they were born or what the, the room number they were born in or whatever i've never had that but i've got like really strong memories of like a beetlejuice birthday cake and it was like the grave that said here lies beetlejuice and beetlejuice action figures there's a spiky one i think you press something and the spikes came out of him yeah um, and I, it was my third birthday um so born in 88 uh so i think uh, it was like 91 or something. Uh, but it's like such a big part of my life. Like it's always been somewhere in me, this Timber and Beetlejuice. Uh, You've got a little yeah. bit of Beetlejuice in you. Yeah, no glass of Beetlejuice in me. Were you one for the, for the associated cartoon series that came along after it? Don't think so. I, I don't think I even knew about them. Maybe they were on, yeah. I mean, I was quite young, so. I don't, I don't remember the specifics of it. I don't think I ever watched too much of it, or it might be one of those cartoons where in your child brain, it, it existed forever, but actually with adult, as an adult, knowing yeah. about like series runs and that, there were like eight episodes of it or something like that, but it was effective. And the, the, the same is true of um, things like Little Shop of Horrors as well, where effectively there is a, an antagonist character yeah. who is just, because they're the most interesting character in the film, yeah. is just the friend of the thing. So it was Lydia and Beetlejuice, just, they're just hanging out. He was just like a friend. He was a bit of a drop-dead Fred character. He'd come out and he'd get up some mischief. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I could. I think I can picture the cartoon in my head, but I haven't, not seen the episodes. And I could see why they would do that, because, I mean, he's the most fun character, obviously. Uh it kind of, in my head, it kind of reminds me of the Ace Ventura cartoons. Like it yeah. feels like quite. I feel similar. like a similar animation studio, like, yeah. or maybe like a Ren and Stimpy if you turn the grossness down by like a couple of notches. Yeah, I think a fair few notches. It doesn't have those like random zooming in moments where you see. Yeah, some real hair. close ups of like, if it's a yeah, like a mole or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this film. Uh, the original script was written by Michael McDowell. Um, it is Michael, isn't it? Not Malcolm. Yeah, Michael McDowell. 
Uh, Michael McDowell is a quite a famous horror author uh, in the 80s, paperback horror boom. He wrote uh, a couple of amazing books. One called one's called The Elementals, which is like one of my favorite horror ghost stories. Um, and he's done one called The Amulet, which is quite a big one. I've not read that one. Um, but he he his stuff is like really dark and like really gory. He wrote the original script, and apparently his original script is quite different to what we got. Um, and Dawa's original script is far less comedic and much darker. The Maitland's car crash is depicted graphically with Barbara's arm being crushed and the couple screaming for help as they slowly drown in the river. Um, a reference to this remains as Barbara remarks that her arm feels frozen upon returning home as a ghost. Instead of possessing the Dietzes and forcing them to dance during dinner, the Maitlands cause a vine pattern carpet to come to life and attack the Dietzes by tangling them to their chairs. Also, the character of Beetlejuice is a winged demon who takes on the form of a short Middle Eastern man <laughs> who's intent on killing the Dietzes rather than scaring them. And he wants to have sex with Lydia instead of Maria. In this version of the script, Beetlejuice only needs to be exhumed from his grave to be summoned, after which he's free to wreak havoc. Um, also, the script features... Um, oh, yeah, okay. So also, the script has a second child, a nine-year-old Kathy, who's the only person who can see the Maitlands and um, Beetlejuice. And in the climax, she, she is mutilated by Beetlejuice, who's in the form of a rabid squirrel. <laughs> So it's like, like a, like a, a laugh atmosphere. a minute, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, do, he does have a kind of Freddy Krueger esque vibe yeah. to him at times. I feel like those two would get on. Yeah, Freddy Krueger would be, or in maybe two, maybe two, maybe two similar wouldn't get on. Really clash. Well, the the pattern, they're both wearing the stripy tops. Yeah, both got strange faces. I mean, this has got to be Michael Keaton's best performance ever, right? Maybe behind Birdman. But, yeah, and he's, um, I forget what the stat is, he's in the film for a ridiculously short amount of time. He doesn't come in until 45 minutes in the film, into the film. Yeah, Which is but his insane. presence is like throughout, like you're waiting for him when he's not on screen. He's like the, it's a bit like yeah. when they invented Poochie in The Simpsons, like when, when Beetlejuice isn't on screen, everyone's asking, where is yeah. Beetlejuice? <laughs> yeah, but it, like, it, it, like when people say a character like crackles off the page or off the screen, like it's next level. Like everything, every little movement, every little like he's just spitting on the floor or I don't know, like cough or burp or fart, whatever he does, it just seems to be like magical. There just seems to be yeah. something really like charming about it. Um and like it's so like I don't know if he was scripted to say some of the stuff he does. Like right at the start, um, there's like a, a little advert and he sings a song and the lyrics are like, I will eat whatever you want me to eat, I will swallow whatever you want me to swallow. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, he's great he's he's he has and he has so much fun with it like and i think it's a real testament to it if you look if you just look at what beetlejuice's like character traits are on paper he should be yeah. like the worst guy like he's like a horrible horrible man he wants to do bad things he is overtly like gross yeah. but he, he's delivered it with such charisma that you think he's great like he's like oh yeah like beetlejuice is okay <laughs> and the, the way his sort of physicality changes as well but even the bit where he's trying to get the job from uh the maitlands and he's like suddenly wearing the same shirt yeah it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, <very boring. laughs> yeah, it's so funny to watch i don't know like, i just found myself smiling every time he's on screen 
What yeah. I haven't seen this film in a long time, by the way. Maybe uh, a year. couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years for me. There was like a, an outdoor screening of it near my parents, so we saw it. Yeah. Saw it out there. That's been a still still a fair few years now, though, since we since we last saw it. Now, but yeah, yeah, it was really nice going back to it. Um, sometimes it's nice to when I mean, we do a lot of watching a new film. Do it most weeks. Yeah, but um, it was nice to go back to once we've done quite a few new films recently with varying degrees of success. Um, yeah. So it was nice to go back to an old classic that you could settle back, enjoy. I didn't feel like I had to take notes on this one because I, you know, could probably recite yeah. the the plot, you know, without any without anything written down. Yeah, I mean, so had gone in. <laughs> Well, it begins. <laughs> <laughs> we open with, I mean, it's worth commenting, like we open with the view over the town yeah. um, that then turns out to be the model, which is like a central piece. But I really, um, I really like that model. In, yeah, in it's a great model. Oh, and yeah. uh, and Danny Elfman's, this is peak Danny Elfman music, this and Gremlins. It's yeah. like... Pa- pairing this music up with Tim Burton. Tim Burton, Michael Keaton and, and Danny... Danny Elfman together. I think so. It was Batman Returns not far after this? I guess I don't. Yeah, know. it's got to be because this is what eighty-eight Batman Returns would be or ninety-one, yeah. maybe. It just works so well. Yeah, yeah. The theme is great, and like again, having not seen this film for years, I did see it a lot of times as a kid. This is a classic. I had a VHS of this, like videoed off the telly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And yeah, the music straight away you could hum it along and like Karen who um, famously never remembers the plot of a film that the second we walk out of the cinema yeah. as I was putting it on she was like humming along to the theme music so like <laughs> it's so you know it's so iconic it gets into your head and um, it gives you oh, I, I don't I'm not musically enough inclined to know the term but like straight away even though there's no lyrics to this it's not you know it's not about Beetlejuice but you know the character and you can conjure the the image of the character and what's going to happen from the film from just this piece of music and it's like it's not many films that do this particularly in the modern era right like can you name a modern film that has like a really solid not a licensed song but a theme um Man of Steel but that's for air like I know what you mean uh, like it's almost like nowadays they don't want the music to stick out too much. They, it's almost like they want it to fade in the background a little bit because like they don't want it to get into the way, in the way of the story. But I miss like a really cracking theme that you sing along to. Yeah, and it's it's of that it's very of that era and slightly before. So you've got your Supermans and your Indiana Joneses are uh, huge examples. And then you get yeah. mostly John Williams scores, right? So then you get like a Jurassic Park, but then you get a Danny Elfman, you've got your Beetlejuice, your Batmans, your Gremlins, and so on as well. Yeah. Um, so you said you said Man of Steel. Whenever I think of Superman, I, I always think of the original Superman theme. I'd struggle to do the specific um, yeah. Man of Steel one. Uh, well, I can't think of it now, but uh, <laughs> I'm fairly certain if you listen to the first couple of notes, you'll. Uh, I mean, oh, it'll. It'll come back. I think it's a Zimmer classic, potentially. Any other one I can think of is like it took a couple of films to get it, but I feel like Avengers sticks now. I could I could maybe hum that one. The big like 
and it goes into your big yeah i could do that one but there's not you don't get as many as you used to and i think that's it really sets the scene for this one very well but then that opening scene ends with a fucking massive spider crawling over the house yeah yeah it looks like it's like attacking the little town Um, it's okay alec baldwin's not afraid of it plucks it up there yeah so uh we introduce this really massive house um uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin are very happy that, that they don't want to. In fact, they've they've taken a two week vacation, I think, and there's, it's like one of it's a staycation. So most yeah. people go out because they want to get away from their day to day. They're very very happy to stay in their house. They uh, love the house so much. so much. And the estate agent, like I think, climbs up the walls or something outside. Yeah, she's desperate for them to try and sell. She's is it a figure of speech when she says they're related like or is she actually uh, related to one of them maybe she just says that i don't know because she's she's bothering them anyway so oh, you should sell it to someone who has a family or what have you this massive old house and that no yeah. jane get out there's a weird note where she says like um uh to the family and we, we kind of hint that maybe Jeannie davis can't have kids like is that yeah. mentioned again well, they, uh, they mentioned they might try again or something. Either way, they've, yeah, it's clear yeah, that yeah. they're interested in having a family, but for some reason, they don't. And you, again, maybe this is a thing of the time. Like, I feel like that is enough. We don't need to explore it any further in the same way with it's kind of matter of fact established that uh, Delia is not Lydia's mom. Um, it's a stepmother but we never go into we never go into the details of where her mom is um or you know whether she's dead whether they're divorced like it's it's just thrown out there as a thing that you don't need to know anything else about and that's enough and again i feel like in a modern film if it wasn't explained in that film there'd be an entire prequel about it for us to get that thing but it's just nice incidental detail that gives you enough to make these characters feel a bit more lived in and a little bit more like they have a bit more depth to them, but we don't need to actually didn't like put that much of the film into it. And that's, that's just one piece of it because it makes them a bit sad when Jane says, Oh, you should give this to someone with a family. And then she immediately backtracks and apologizes. Yeah. Um, um, so I think Alex Baldwin wants to, build a bit more model it's like i need a bit got, of model on this he's got to pop to the shops and get some more model pieces got to get some of that little grass that you put on yeah he's got some new warhammer 40k space marines that need doing it um oh i need can... a i need a blood crimson to paint this yeah uh what is that little grass called that you it's just like i, I don't know just... i know i know it's got a name it's like a special <laughs> yeah it's like a, it's like a little bottle things have felt and it makes like pretend grass yeah um miniature astroturf um so he doesn't drive so um i'm gonna say lydia is her name no barbara barbara yeah barbara uh, barbara drives him to the shops he goes in picks up some bits and pieces um i think they say hello to barbara who's going on about someone with long hair for some reason yeah um and then as they're driving back ah there's a dog um Chekhov's dog because you see him you see him when they go to the shop just milling along they don't see him so it's too late (laughs) they they crash into the side of the bridge the dog's on the end of the 
it's all very, it's all very, I don't know how to describe this. It's all uh, orchestrated almost like a silent movie. Like you wouldn't need any audio to know exactly what's going on and to, mm-hmm. to feel the peaks and the troughs of this little story. That the dog is on the um, on the, the like the last bit of plank that's holding them up. They look at him, uh, and then he suddenly jumps off, and the car goes flying uh, into the into the river below. It's not very deep. I mean, yeah, people. I think in 1988, a bit like how very weak. Yeah, I mean, like people have evolved over time. We don't notice this within our lifetime. But yeah. if you remember, like if you look at like the Victorian era, if you read like a Sherlock Holmes, and like you could die of having a stressful week. Yeah. If you have like a real bad week, you have you get a brain fever and you've got two choices. Go and live at the seaside for a few months to get better yeah. or die. Like That's literally it. just just fade away, like like give up on life like Padme and just die. Yeah. Um, if we were in that but, car, I mean our gills would probably show. Yeah. Just finally split down our necks and we'd we'd be fine. Swim away with our new or we just yeah, just just get out and stand up in what looks like sort of waist deep water. It is like, the kind of water I used to let our dog swim around in when she was a puppy. But I didn't want to go too deep. So I just let her on the side and she'd like paddle the feet in there. Like it doesn't look doesn't look strong at all. I mean maybe it's maybe surprisingly deep. Maybe there's a shelf in there, like uh, whatever you call it. Maybe, and this will be a niche reference, Luke, but it's not like we're a stranger to those. It's that water from that boss in Metal Gear Solid 2, and if you touch it, it's like deoxygenated and you'll just sink right to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's yeah. that maybe it's maybe yeah. it's that water I think specifically. It, it is, it definitely is. It's Hideo Kojima's <laughs> own special pool. And yeah. you, you fall in there and you'll fall into oblivion, you'll be gone. Um, that's where he got the idea from years later in Metal Gear Solid 2. Yeah. Um but they, yeah, they're, they're, they're gone, basically. They've, they've fallen in the water. Well, we find out that they didn't survive because we cut straight from them falling into the water to them walking back into the house soaking wet. So if we didn't know that the rest of the film was yeah. happening, you think it's inconvenient for them about to walk home all wet. Yeah. Plot hole, how did they get home? <laughs> well, uh, they um, I guess like now that they're ghosts, they go back to their house or... The place they like loved the most, yeah. or something. Yeah, they haunt that bridge, wouldn't you, where they drowned? But no, exactly. They haunted the house. Most ghosts would haunt haunt the river. Like so you'd look over the edge of the river and you'd see them looking see back them in at there, you. going, "Ooh, yeah, <laughs> the farm. Exactly. yeah." Um, they go back, but no, they're back at the house. Yeah, Lydia, Lydia, uh, Barbara mentions a uh, cold arm, which at the time I just thought was strange. Uh, but now we know it's because of the previous version of the script. No, no, the dark version of the script. <laughs> um, and then they, it all seems okay, uh, but I think they try to go outside and they find themselves on Neptune. Yeah, they... <laughs> Is it Neptune or Saturn? <clears throat> you go briefly to a weird cartoon dimension where there's... I think, um, I think yeah, Alec Baldwin do- goes to go outside and he... Um, when he pulled, when Barbara pulls him back up the porch, he's been gone for like two hours. And there's a big worm. It's Saturn. Is it actually Saturn? I did, I did not know that. So, if you're a ghost outside of your house, is Saturn? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's and there's big Tim Burton worms on there. I just, I, I've never, I've never looked into it. I'd always just assumed 
I don't the, think Be- Beetlejuice says it or something. He says it was it was just a dimension, like it was just like I always thought it was like dimension. a dimension, dimension, otherworldly place full of eldritch creatures and stuff. But you're telling, but, but you're telling me if you were alive in Beetlejuice world and you got on a spaceship to Saturn, that is what you would find. Hey, where's that ghost come from? Yeah, pretty much. Then again, you won't see the ghost. It's only certain people who can so, see it. So you would just see a sandworm. Maybe that's which, a ghost sandworm. Which is like a big sandworm monster in a knitted sandworm costume as you as they that they wear. That eats ghosts. Yeah. That eats ghosts. It's cool, isn't it? Law. That's so much that's so much weirder <laughs> than ever. Saturn. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I realized before, but um yeah, Beetlejuice says it, and I've just had a quick Google and it is one hundred percent filmed on Saturn. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I take it back. I was going to say one of my criticisms of it was perhaps no, of space. all of all the things that still work, um, maybe some of those bits don't hold up as well today. But now I know it's actual footage of Saturn. Yeah, completely on board because that's that's what I imagine Saturn to look like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes to Saturn briefly. I, I guess that's why he's been gone for two hours. Um, Takes a long time to get there. Yeah. Uh, and there, there are sandworms on there. So they, they, they've established that they can't leave the house, um, and they're, they, they're testing out other things that show that they are ghosts now. Like when they move the little horsey in front of the mirror, they don't have reflections anymore. There's the book as well, the handbook for the recently deceased, um, which they try and read and they, they can't like make sense of. I can't remember the first time they go. See, I don't think they go and see. Um, they don't go until they get a little yeah. bit desperate yet. So they're just stuck at home and fed up, really. Until I think maybe it's around this time we get uh, a point of view shot of Beetlejuice reading a newspaper, watching the TV, and he's like, "There's been 13 sandworm incidents, uh, and there's various been bits of news and stuff." And he's, uh... oh, in the obituaries, that's where he finds the Maitlands. Yeah, he calls him a couple of chimps. Yeah, he says, oh, look, I'm stupid. Nice stupid and stupid. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll con them into helping me get out of the prison that I'm stuck in currently. Yeah, um, um, yeah and then we're introduced to the Deets family. Uh, so there's <laughs> Charles' actual Lydia this time, and yeah, then yeah. Um, Delia, Delia Deets. That's such a Tim Burton name, isn't it? Delia Dietz. I feel yeah. like it is. Uh, uh, played by um, what's her name? Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. She's so good. Yeah, amazing. I also thought what's his name was really good as well. Uh, the guy who plays Ofo, who I recognise some various stuff, but I can't really think where. Watching this as an adult now, like they those two characters in particular. You definitely get a very different dimension on them mm-hmm. as a, um, you know, watching it as an adult than we do as a kid. Because like when you watch when you watch it originally, it's kind of an ineffective dad, a kind of like a a disinterested, like slightly shallow, like stepmom character, yeah. and then just her awful friend from the city. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see them now. Don't relate to them anymore necessarily, but like you can see that actually those characters are 
they have a lot more comedic lines in there than I than I had given this film credit for when I was a kid. Because I was a lot more interested yeah. in the ghosts and the the character that was closest to my age at the time. Yeah, and Beetlejuice. Yeah. Mainly. Beetlejuice and Worms. I think, yeah, same. And also, I really liked the sculptures and the bit where uh, they crumble into like, they turn into little prune people. You know, when they're being exercised. Yeah. All yeah, that kind of stuff good. I found really good. Yeah. That's good. Um, and those, those sculptures as well. Maybe it's just a thing. I don't think with a modern stunt on it, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw those, those as sculptures now. Maybe yeah. in the 80s that was outlandish. Like no one does sculptures like that. Sculptures look like look like a man like sitting on a plinth. <laughs> yeah. But now those sculptures like, uh, you'd be like, that's a sculpture. Yeah. One of them looks like um, just like a chair you'd have in a in a modern restaurant. Like a Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Little hand thing. Um, yeah. One of them looks like, you know, you go to like um, shops for adult boys, like gadget shops. Yeah. Like, I feel like you'd maybe see one or two of those in a gadget shop next to the mess, next to those things like the metal pins that you press your face into. Oh, yeah. You'd find, <laughs> you'd find one there to put on like a lovely yeah. desk lamp. Yeah. And so this is when, this is when they're moving in, right? And they're bringing in all of the sculptures and so on. Yeah. And I guess the main thing to take as they're starting to move in is that they are the opposite of the Maitlands, right? Particularly like the there is a the dad is like a big business guy who is they imply had a nervous breakdown, so had to move away to Connecticut. Yeah. Um out of the big out of the big city. Um Delia is uh, like a frustrated artist and who has you know, clearly really, like, high-maintenance. Um, yeah. Uh, and then she has, like, a like a guru or, like, an art consultant that's come with well, her. What is he? Because he's, like, um, he said he works in hair design and he, because he knows a certain colour. Like, I think it's just, like, vermilion or something. Like, she doesn't know what colour vermilion is and he's, like, it's green and blue. And he goes, I worked in hair design. Did you? Just for a couple of years. Yeah. And he yeah. also works as uh, like a spiritual medium and uh, a dairy decorator, a, a bit of everything. He's going around with a spray a spray can, uh, just like marking walls, like the trees that need to be cut down. 
or something. Yeah. And this is when they first try to scare them away, right? They're like, right, we are, we're ghosts, yeah. so we can do something about this. Gorier than I remember. Yeah. It's like uh, Alec Baldwin's head has been cut off and he's, I mean, how do you do that as a ghost? Do you just know that you'll be able to put it back on? How do you not know that like this, that's a one and done thing. Once you get your head yeah. off, it's not going back on. Maybe that was that they did read in the book. Oh, you can. Like, yeah, it's yeah. fine. You can oh, chop this off. Oh, and this really is where um, yeah. Barbara's like hanged in the in the cupboard and like pulls her face yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, and her eyes pop out. Uh, and then they kind of slam her aside like she's just in, like an old haggardy old dress. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they like do that a couple of times, don't they? Where it's like, oh my goodness, look yeah. at this wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, and basically, the basic gist is that they don't care about, or or they seem to think of the Maitlands as, um, um, what's the word? I don't know, like uh, quaint or uh, yeah, it's kind of like they've come in from the big city and they are, you know, they want like a contemporary design. It feels like this, like a mothball, like a moth-eaten old house with these yeah. people that are dead and you know they want to basically change everything and there's i guess there's some nice reality to that as well because when you move into a house you probably do want to decorate and put your own stamp on it and why would you be polite or respectful of what the previous people because you don't know you know it's not as if they're standing there watching you when you buy a house right particularly if those people are dead so you know you kind of make a judgment, don't you, and say, oh, you know, this is, they're, they're just trying to do what I don't think is not an un, unusual thing, just that these people are ghosts and are standing there watching them slag them off. Do you ever, do you ever worry that there are ghosts in the houses that you move into? Of people who um, live there? Maybe. I don't know. Have you ever worried about, about that too much? Do you slag them off when you walk in? Go always, and spray always, paint the walls? I'm always spray painting the walls and slagging ghosts off. Pretty much my nine to five. Um, yeah. No, I think um, because this house is fairly new, I think I don't think anyone died here. But if you're in an older house, you got to watch out for ghosts. If you look for a yeah. keyhole at the wrong time, you'll see. A there could be hole. one looking back. Yeah. Exactly. Our last house, you've been. You, yeah, you're asking now. My old house yeah. was pretty spooky. That's a cool house. I think it had like like an extra level. Yeah, it had like yeah. A, it had like an it had like an underground, um, and it had yeah. Resident Evil doors through all the house. Yeah, <laughs> with like big like latches that you'd have to lift and like creak the doors open. This house yeah. that I live in now is less uh, is less spooky. Yeah, yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, next time I'll get a spooky house and yeah. we'll spray paint the walls and offend all the ghosts. Yeah. But yeah, they they've had no success in in scaring them effectively yeah and then i think sorry if you can hear that plane going over it's a ghost plane yeah. uh, they, um, um i think they're in the manual maybe it's around this time they get the business card that says bio exorcist fatal gaius i mean you don't have to pronounce his name properly yeah that's the thing isn't it does it does it bring up that um adam isn't it is the name of his is, is his character's name he whenever he's reading things he has a habit of mispronouncing them and we never lean into why that is but she's always correcting his pronunciation where it's like handbook for the recently diseased oh yeah yeah i never really uh put that together but yeah 
And it's the same as when it's like Beetle Guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they don't they don't do that instead. I think they open the manual um, and there's you just oh so you just need to draw a door and they draw the door. If you need door. help, yeah. Um, and then he goes, Oh, I've got the handle, let's put the handle on. Um I can't have to oh I have to knock three times. Yeah, yeah I mean this kind of stuff. I've got to say, like, as a kid, like, it blew my mind. I don't know why. I just, like, really liked this kind of fantastical ideas that you could just draw a door and then it would open. It's it's, it's great, like, the world-building stuff as well, yeah. right? So, and Lydia's outside and she sort of sees a green glow coming through the door because she's already kind of possibly yeah. spotted them through the window. Oh, yeah. And Barbara's like, yeah. that little girl saw us. It seems strange that she describes it as a little girl because Winona Ryder looks the same age then as she does now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think also as well, it, it's strange because I think they describe her as a little girl and it is true, she is a child in it. But at the time I watched this, she was still older than I was at the time. So I was like, yeah, yeah. you're a big kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they go they go into like the the waiting room for the afterlife, and they have yeah. another nice bit of great law, right? And they bring it up in a joke later on, which is all these people have died in weird and wonderful ways, and they are in the state that they were when they were killed. Which makes me wonder why weren't Adam and Barbara really wet all the time? Were they not soaking wet forever? I guess that's not. Yeah, I guess that's not part of their physical body like the, the water would have become part of you that makes sense whereas like a scar that's like physically changing i, I bet if you look at their lungs their lungs would well the water uh, i don't know um what happens to you when you drown you you swallow you yeah, drink swallow. it <laughs> you drink yeah, it you, like water. you just, just full of water yeah <laughs> i bet if they jump um, around they would like they hear it the, the sloshing sloshing, sloshing around yeah yeah but the um but all the other people in the afterlife are all in various states of disrepair because everyone yeah. who works for the for the civil service uh, people that have killed themselves yeah oh yeah if you kill yourself you end up as a civil service uh, yeah person. that's quite good uh, there's a guy who's uh who smoked and he's now just like a, a tiny blackened charcoal thing which still yeah smoking. i wondered like has he been has he been like is it that he as a kid my reading of that was oh, he smoked so many cigarettes that you got all all charred up but i'm guessing what happened was he blew himself up like a you know when like when oh, yeah. it's a tom and jerry and he's put like a bomb inside a thing and he's looking inside it and it like blasts his face off maybe i um i, I still thought like he just smoked so much he'd crumbled himself to, to dust but i, I thought he'd like, right, pretty blue had like a, been like it been like a gas been in, in like a gas explosion yeah probably had a petrol fight at the petrol station and he lit a <laughs> cigarette um so and then it's like uh who else is there there's like a, a crushed flat <laughs> there's like guy. a man yeah there's like an admin guy who's like going around in like a pulley system who's been crushed by a by a truck yeah. by the looks of things there's a magician's assistant who's in two halves on yeah. the sofa there's like a shrunken head man classic shrunken head guy like you never forget that guy yeah you'd be thinking about that guy in your deathbed i wonder if i'm gonna see the shrunken head guy I mean, he's in the afterlife, so I'm assuming having a shrunken head is what killed him. Yeah, um, um, and the 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 woman behind the reception says you get three D90s. I think they're called D90s. 
uh, where you get to speak to your caseworker, who I think is called June. Juno. Yeah. Juno. Um, Juno. It's Juno. Um, and but I think they're supposed to spend 120 years in the house. Haunting the house. Yeah. Like I don't know how that gets worked out, and they don't. I'm not sure if they fully explain it, but effectively, their job is to haunt that house for 120 years, and then they can go and do whatever. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, Juno, not Juno, whoever the receptionist is, says Juno will be in touch at some point. Uh, I don't think it's yeah. Sit and sit, sit and wait for a bit, and they they go and sit down and they go and sit down and wait. We see some of these characters. Uh, they then walk up. They then are told to go along to meet Juno, and they have a brief look at the the spooky room where the exorcised ghosts live. Oh yeah, yeah, but with the crumbly people floating around. Yeah, yeah. I found this quite scary when I was a kid. It is quite scary. Yeah. Um. So I think they just go back to the house, right? But like loads of yeah. times passed, and it's been completely. Basically, they go back to the house. They meet. They meet Juno, who explains to them that her job is to basically assess who deserves and needs help. And she says, like, "Oh, I." Uh, uh, is there any available help? She goes, no, there isn't. Like your ghosts, yeah. like try harder to to scare the people off if you want them out. Yeah. And they realise that it's their house that they're in, and it's been they were waiting in that waiting room for two months. Yeah. So we also find that's out that been done. Beetlejuice was her assistant, but he went rogue or went freelance. Um, yeah. And she says not to use him for these these chaos. And he pretty much he's a he's, he's a right wrong and yeah he yeah. is yeah. he's no he's no good he's a bad man. I was reading a little because I know the the Beetlejuice musical is a is good. a big thing now yeah. but it's good but apparently they have a they have a more significant relationship in that one they actually share some screen time or stage time yeah. in in the musical and they have some other form of relationship between Beetlejuice and Juno but again in this film. It's just nice that you've got the characters know each other, even though they're never on screen at the same time. Yeah, um, a bit of backstory. Yeah, um, he's his assistant. They said she was he was her assistant. He's no good, and she sort of warns them off, phoning him. Yeah, doesn't offer any other practical advice, and then disappears in like a cloud of cigarette smoke. And then they um, to try and scare um, uh, Delia, they put they put like cloaks. No, they even go to the dad first. They put on some sheets, they cut holes in them. Um, and the dad's like, Oh, Lydia, you shouldn't have done that to the really expensive sheets. Your mum will kill you. Then they go to the mum, um, and they're trying to do it. And she's like fast asleep and she wakes up and tries to turn Turn, turns off the TV. (laughs) They do the best ghost moaning on this one. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) but then Lydia overhears that and it's like, Oh, mum, because she thinks they're having some hanky panky time. Uh, but then they come out and she starts taking loads of photos of them. I mean, even if that was your mum and dad and they came out in sheets, why are you taking photos of them for? If you send them to Esther Ransom, Childline, and said, Look at this, pervs, pervs with eye holes, yeah. Um, and then she notices that they, they haven't got any feet. And I think this is like the first proper introduction, like Lydia's not scared at all. Yeah, she asks if they're like gross and like Night of the Living Dead, yeah. She loves a loves a Romero series, does Lydia? Um, yeah. 
and and then she pulls it and then she can see them which we get one of the big lines of the movie i guess where it's like oh because she has read the book while they were away and she said oh, I, I read it it's fine like i said oh like it says that most they already established that most living people won't see dead people because you know most living people don't see things that are strange and unusual where she herself is strange and unusual <laughs> she's really good in this she's really really good uh when i ride it like when i watch this and heather's um and some other stuff from like her earlier years she's just so charismatic like she's obviously was going to be like a big star from, from the get-go like she's very easy to watch and kind of charming as well um yeah but she's really really good in this um so i, I can't really remember where, where it goes from here uh, lydia I don't know if so Lydia's been talking or... to them. She sort of tells the oh, yeah. she tells the mom and dad that there's ghosts and they don't believe her still. Um, or they don't at least they don't care. And uh, she's trying to tell Delia and she's preparing for a dinner party, which is when they try their next thing. And again, as a kid, I loved this scene. They have a dinner party around. It's Otho and like uh, an agent and yeah. some other kind of arty type people. And recognize that guy, like the art critic or curator guy. Ah, looks like it's her agent, isn't it? Like he plays her. Is he a talk show host? I want to say. I'll look at. I'll look at who he is. Ah, who the hell? Dick Dick Cavett. Yeah. Dick Cavett. There he is. Yeah, that's definitely him, Dick Cavett. Hang on a second. He's in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Oh, when we next go back to the Freddy, <laughs> the Freddy well, we'll see him in that. Yeah. Um, and he, he plays a talk... He, there's a bit on that where he's on a talk show. So, yeah, he probably is himself in that movie. In, um, on primetime. Yeah, when it's welcome to primetime. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's him. But yeah, he, he is not impressed and he basically tells Dooley that she's a flake after a while. But um, this is when they do their first little... Their special ghost ability is doing musical possessions. Yeah, and it's really good. Um, I mean, this is the song that anyone would kind of... If you sang it, I think anyone would sing along with you. They're like, come and they won't go. And then they start dancing. Yeah. And it, there's that weird dance move where they've got like a flannel and they're kind of chucking it at the face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just I always wafted it around. Like, what? Is that a dance move? Because there doesn't seem to be any logic. Or, or it, it, it's puzzled me for a long time of how they, how they were doing it. Were they jumping inside their bodies, Bill and Ted style, and like steering them around? Or are they ghosts? Because they're invisible, are they like just grabbing their hands? And, and that dance move reminds me of that. If they were like just yeah. grabbing them by the wrists and like steering their hands around, and maybe they, that's how they're doing it. But then they all turn around at the same time and shove the bums in the air. So I don't yeah. know how they would impossible. That. Like, one's like kicking one; they've got their arms out of the other. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're doing it. Magic, I guess. Ghost magic. Um, but, but it ends with the prawn cocktails turning into prawn hands. Like grabbing big, their faces, 
big fists. Like, that's quite scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what is that monster with hands like that? Like yeah. 10 hands coming out of bowls. Yeah. I like. I would not like to see the other side of that, cre- that creature. But they're not afraid of it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, they're like saying it's like an amusement park. They're like, they're like energized. They were like, this is going to make us a load of money. We're going to start, we're going to open a paranormal research center and museum. They, yeah, they, they, I can't remember. I think they start, he even calls his boss or something. Um, he's like trying yeah, to he's been on in. the phone to the boss before, but he's, but Otis basically says to him, well, now you have a reason to try and get him to come down because you have a money making idea. Um, so it's kind of inspired them more than ever to, to stick around. Yeah. Um, so kind of frustrated with them, they pop along to oh they see an advert for Beetlejuice on the TV first. That's the I think mean, that's it when it's like I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. I like, really like insane. Oh, I, I can't remember how they teleport down to the board. Say um, his, they they say his name three times and they just teleport down. And they have to dig him out still after he's there. But isn't that like, yes, weird. Um, but I kind of figured that would be enough to wake, like, summon him, but maybe it's not. So they go, they, they shrink down to his grave and you have to dig him out of, like, a load of cardboard. But I don't know why. I just really like all the model stuff. Like, there's something mm. really cool and quirky about them digging out the cardboard. And it looks like, it looks genuinely like massive cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like big cardboard or like little um, that cork stuff that like yeah. that you get on those model boards. It's great, and they have to dig him out, and then he yeah. comes out of his grave. And then, as you say, like this is well into the movie that they that you get it's to meet him minutes, properly. It's pretty much half halfway in. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's coming across quite nice, um, but <laughs> like he he's like overly nice, like he's um, asking if. Um, Barbara's single, or like if uh, if he can have a go, what's <laughs> nice something yeah. horrendous? Yeah, like he's yeah he's he's gross, and he immediately puts their back up, right? Yeah, uh, and then he's like, uh, I think he's like going to invite them into some. By the way, did before there's a little bit where he eats a massive fly, who oh, yeah, screams, he's... "Help me!" Uh, as he's being devoured. <laughs> fly that speaks English. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's there and he kind of like they they change their mind very quickly. He does his great bit. I like this. I like, you know, I think this is my one of my favorite bits as a kid when they're asking what his qualifications are. I have like again when when I was a kid, the first the bit I love is the bit we see him. He has the back to the to the camera and he obviously does something incredibly scary with his face. Oh yeah. But now yeah. as an adult, you watch it back and the bit you really like is like, oh yes, I trained at Juilliard and then I did this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. He uh, he's very funny, but he's not going to. He kind of turns these guys off the idea because he's clearly like an unhinged character, so they don't want to subject, particularly Lydia, to because you know he's a bit he's a bit grabby as well. Um, very handsy. Yeah, like he'd a... be he'd be cancelled these days. Yeah. Um, but he uh, he he is straight out of it. Um, so they yeah. they teleport home and he's furious, sort of swears that swears at them a little bit. And this film is a things are different in the in in the eighties. They obviously like you can die a lot more easily. 
but in a film rated PG, you can say nice fucking model. Yeah, that uh, was cut apparently in the theatrical uh, version, but yeah, we he does say nice fucking model and he kicks the tree and the tree collapses. Yeah, kick, kicks the tree over, grabs his crotch, or honks his, honks yeah, his, honks crotch. his crotch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, that's that's just the start of it. Later on, there's like a, a sex house or something. <laughs> like a little... <laughs> Adam, why did you make that? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's made like a brothel. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, 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 mean, what, I think Peter just even just sort of um, cracks. It's weird because he just cracks on and does something anyway, like turns into a snake. Yeah, um, that's right. Like he's, he, I guess he's out of the out of the thing now, isn't he? So he's he is out and he's been dug up, even though he hasn't. They haven't agreed to work with him the other guys come up into the the attic and otho finds their book um yeah. otho finds their book who they just pockets it for now mm-hmm. um and yeah on the way downstairs the banister has turned into a horrid snake i mean it feels very freddy krueger and also yeah. Beetlejuice looks genuinely scary like compared to what the um the maitlands were doing like Beetlejuice looks like he could could cause some harm. I think he even throws one of them over the over the banister. Yeah, he throws he throws the dad over the like he hangs him sort of dangling yeah. head first over the like the the chasm of the stairs and drops off. You would definitely die if yeah. those people died from falling in that river. He could die from falling down those stairs. Yeah, uh, I don't think he does anything to Lydia. Um... Or anyone else? I know he, he. I think he slaps Ofo on the bum and rolls him down the stairs. Yeah, he slaps, him, smacks him on the bum and sends him down the stairs. Yeah, but yeah, he's he is basically cleaning house, and then the guys come back and they Beetlejuice him away, say his name three more times, and he is sent. Yeah. So, so I don't understand the. I honestly don't understand the logic. So that sounds like they have put him away, like they Beetlejuice three times the first time, and dug him out of the grave. Um, and th- now they Beetlejuice him back home. Yeah, but they teleported themselves out of the table, not by saying his name three times, but by saying home, home, home. But so maybe time, that was it. He hadn't been toggled off. But this time they toggled him off this time because they said Beetlejuice three times. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because then Lydia wakes him up later on. Okay. Yeah, but then so Ju- currently Beetlejuice is off. <laughs> but then Juno turns up and says, and has a go at him for. Oh, okay. I guess. Juno turns up, has a go at them, um, and then says, you need to do it yourself. And then she gets shows, says, shows your scariest faces. Sorry, we've missed a point here as well. Lydia thinks that the Maitlands did the whole snake thing. They, they called up, well, they, they, it was them that's behind it. Why did you do yeah. it? And she's annoyed them and she goes off on her own. And you're right. And then they Juno summons the Maitlands back and tells them off. She reveals that she created the brothel, the brothel to keep him distracted. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, well, uh, you could just put a pop a brothel somewhere, and he would casually be yeah. drawn to it. If you're in the afterlife, you know how to conjure a brothel. There's like little devil girls in the windows looking at yeah, it. like demons. <laughs> yeah, and there's AC inside. For some reason, there's a little sign that says air conditioned. I noticed that. <laughs> It's great. Um, so 
um they, they gina says show your scariest faces and they they um uh adam kind of pulls his head into like horns and it's like a hand out. in the back like it's like a if you had a rubber like it's like a big yeah. like chicken head yeah looks like the chicken from what's from grommet wrong trousers and he pulls his nose <laughs> yeah. out and he also takes his up, puts his eyeballs on his fingers. So he's got eyeballs. And then multiplies them so he's got yeah. eye um, hands. Uh, what does Lydia do? She kind of opens her mouth really wide. Yeah, so she, she Barbara rolls her eyes back into her head, flicks them inside, and then her eyes are inside her mouth. She gives herself a big sort of hippo mouth. Yeah. And it looked great. Like even today, I think these are good effects. Cool, yeah, cool creature designs. And when Lydia, excuse me, Lydia, when Barbara speaks, her tongue waggles. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. good. Yeah, and her face is all bunch, bunched up on on top of it. Um, so I think they're going to go back, but when they do, uh, Lydia is in the room and they scare her again because of their faces, and then they return, go back to normal. Um, and then explain that it was Beetlejuice. I can't remember what happens now. I think basically um, the Has Beetlejuice met them? I think Beetlejuice has met her already because he's been doing charades to get her to... He all, she almost summons him. Uh, that's and that's then they turn... Happened when he they, has, like, the beetle. That's, that's just, yeah, when he, like, hey, there's a beetle that appears behind her. <laughs> uh, and then she's about to summon him when they come back and stop her. Because uh, because okay. yeah. he has said that they they've gone they've moved on they're on the other side and I can take you through to find them mm-hmm. um, and then they turn up and then because she has written a suicide note because you know very likely for a film that she has planned to kill herself yeah yeah and then they get back and say I mean obviously being dead doesn't end anything <laughs> just that's worse in many ways <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So basically, that's that's the that's the setup. But in the time they've been away, basically, um, the the boss has come over. They're pitching the things to them, and Otho, having received, found the book, has a method. Uh, if they won't cooperate and come and talk to them, and Juno's kind of warned the guys of like, you cannot let like living people get irrefutable proof that there are that yeah. there's such a thing as ghosts. Yeah. Um, but using the book for the recently deceased, Otho begins what is a, effectively an exorcism. Yeah. And they kind of disappear and are summoned into their wedding clothes and they start going all old and wrinkly. Yeah. Um, Adam's so, jaw pops up as well. Yeah. Um, so they're all, they're both knackered. They look terrible. I used to hate this bit as a kid because it's sad it's and sad. quite scary. It's like uh, what I would call like a Johnny Five moment. You know, Johnny oh Five gets God. beaten. When he gets I mean, beaten with those baseball bats, I was glad he turned into a punk and then all, then he doesn't yeah. kill them, he just captures them on a hook. Yeah, he's like swings, like Tarzan's onto them or something. Um, <laughs> so, it is sad. They're getting exercised. Um, I mean, in the same way that like I look like after I've been exercising, uh, after a 10k run, always feel quite yeah. crumbly. Um, Especially if you go into a bath, like it feels like like they have the look of someone who's been in the bath. Like you know, if you were in a bath, right, you get like wrinkly fingers. Imagine yeah. if you were underwater in that bath for ages as well. That's what you'd look like all over. Yeah, you come out in a wedding dress. 
What? Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Going to the Lost Souls room. Yeah. Um, so Lydia goes upstairs and asks Beetlejuice to help them because, and there's a turn from the family here as well. I again watching it as a kid, my memory had always been that they weren't really too bothered it was something that Lydia was in front of but the others didn't know was really going on but actually most of the characters like that's enough now you've got to stop and he doesn't know how to stop it yeah yeah so they're not because they're not so they're not entirely all that bad yeah um but they don't they don't have certainly the mom and dad like you've got to stop this now and he doesn't know how to stop it so she goes up and Beetle just goes ah I can help you but I do have to get married so don't yeah. give Zam with that. I mean, how old is Lydia supposed to be? She's at, she's at school doing like math there, so she's yeah, don't know, <laughs> a bit strange, like yeah, 13, 14, <laughs> too young. As, um, but again, Beetlejuice is extremely sleazy, that's his like defining characteristic, yeah. Um, so she says Beetlejuice three times, and now this time he's like completely off the hook. Uh, he's I don't know. He's, he's so he starts off by turning into um, I don't even know what you call it, like a, a carnival, an entire ride. circus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he turns like a, it's like a big top hat thing, um, and he has these like giant hammers. Oh, and then oh, the guests. He starts by hammering them out of the through the ceiling. Yeah, they definitely die, right? Definitely. I mean, if if um, the maintenance died of that river. These guys, their heads exploded when they hit the attic. <laughs> yeah. So basically, if you could die falling, what about ten feet into a river? Yeah. Like those guys being smashed through the roof um, yeah. on a test your strength machine, dead before they hit the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're in space or something by that point. So we don't see them yeah. ever again. Uh, so. <laughs> And then, uh, what he did so the other two are scap. The other, the mom and dad are captured by um, sculptures. Captured by sculptures. Yeah, and then I guess Beetlejuice just turns into he has his like wedding, red wedding suit on. Oh, he turns he turns Otho into put, puts him in a blue suit. I didn't get the reference on this one. Yeah, so I watched. I mean, I I guess I never bothered me before when I was a kid, but now I was like, what? Is it just not fashionable? Maybe that's it. It's like he's he's forced him to wear something a color. Hey, you know what it is? Maybe it's the vermilion color. Maybe it there's could something. Be the vermilion. Maybe there's something there. Maybe he mentioned he hated the color or something, and he puts him in a vermilion suit. And it's no good for him. He just crashes out the window. Yeah, I don't know. After he runs away. It just runs away because he's worn a bad coat. Again, like, now you've blown my mind with a satin thing. Luke. I'm going to have to look up what he actually does to him. Not vermilion, that's more of a red. Cerulean, maybe? I can't remember. With it, like, as watching this as a kid, I was like, oh, he's dressed him as Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not Elvis. <laughs> Famously uncool man. <laughs> um, but yeah, he dresses him as Elvis and bungs him out the window. Um, and he... The process of the exorcism looks like it's kind of subsiding. He's stopped it. They start to recover ever so slightly. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're they're starting to get better. Um, so he he saved them. So you know what? Say what you like about Beetlejuice, but he did keep his word on this occasion. So now I need to know about the color of that suit, and if it was yeah. if it was seeded earlier on. Oh, we'll find out later on. Um, we'll, we'll we'll get there. Um, but like yeah, a, he... a little UFO looking ghost, alien looking ghost comes out of the fireplace to marry them. Little little tiny oh, sort of just like the aliens ghost from, vicar. Um, yeah, just like the aliens from Bad Taste. He's got yeah. some of the kind of face. Yeah, a bad taste, a bad taste alien ghost vicar comes out and starts to do the um starts to do the wedding. Beetlejuice does some ventriloquism because of course Lydia's not going to agree to it. Yeah, yeah. In many ways, for all his faults, he did keep up his part of the deal, but you know, probably yeah. starts to lose a bit of goodwill with this whole forcing a marriage thing. He uh, um, pulls out the ring, it's like on someone's finger from his another wife, I guess, or something. Um, he even says that she meant nothing to me, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he sends Adam into the model who gets in the little car. Um, so he manages to he tries to say Beetlejuice first, but yeah. he yeah teleports him away. Yeah, this is kind of like I feel like this performance that you get here, and you mentioned it, you mentioned Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. The kind of antics that Beetlejuice gets up to here—the fact that Adam's about to come and get him, and he does like a hold it, and he kind of freezes just yeah. before he's going to go and get him—I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Carrey didn't get a lot of the mask from this as well, right? It's got a very like a cartoony feel to him. He has like it's cartoon like a, ghost powers. Like someone using cartoon logic in the real world. It's yeah, like that, that's kind of a, a weird superpower. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I was thinking about Jim Carrey as I was watching this. Like Michael Keaton, I don't think he ever really did a performance quite like this again. But like it's so zany and wild um, and cartoonish. Uh, but it's so fun. I don't know. It's just it's just so fun. I'm, yeah, sure. I'm sure Jim Carrey got some inspiration. Yeah, uh, I, I feel uh, like I feel like this drives a lot certainly of the mask, and that's it. And he pours in. He, as you're right, he teleports Adam into the the model. Um, Barbara gets out two Beetlejuices. One he like zips her mouth closed, and then he just whacks like a massive, um, like a metal plate across her mouth so she can't say it. Yeah, a third time. Um, um, I don't know who says it again then. Well, I, no, no one. Maybe said, no one does no, because no one says it a third time because Adam drives into his shoe and blows like a little car up. And yeah, he blows it. And then Barbara's been teleported to Saturn. He can also teleport people all the way there. Well, this is even now, weirder then. Because how did she ride the worm from Saturn to that living room <laughs> through the wall? Because like the wall kind of gives away and it's Saturn outside. I guess like she's breaking the portal or something. But well, you see, Maya reading it, they could be if it. If it was just outside the house, then maybe because there's a bit earlier on where they go to, I think they're frustrated with the the Dietz's movie and they go to storm out, they storm out the house and they both end up on Saturn for a while and she punches the sandworm in the face. Oh, yeah, and he goes, like so it gets snorted. So maybe well, in the few it. seconds she's in Saturn, yeah, she's tamed the sandworm. That makes sense because time's like dead slow over there. I mean, dead quick over there. 
put the right way. It's like um, Interstellar. But you get. But she was when when Adam was gone earlier. He only stepped off the porch and he was gone from two for two hours. But in this case, she's been in Saturn for eight. Maybe it's like a Venus thing where the days are longer than the years. Yeah, or something like that. She spent an entire lifetime on Saturn. She's taming that worm. Worms. Yeah, she's part worm now. Um, she's more and she drives the worm through the ceiling, and Beetlejuice gets like smashed to oblivion by him. Yeah, does he get it? She kind of smashes him to pieces, like smashes him through the floor, and he's gone. Yeah, and for some reason that sends him to the afterlife. <laughs> like he ends up in the waiting room. I don't think they thought this stuff through completely. Yeah, but I don't think you need yeah. to. I mean, yeah, there's 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 so many like logical leaps, but because of that cartoon logic, you just let it go. Like, oh, he yeah. uh, he lost, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then everything everything goes back to normal. Yeah, I think everyone's living together. Lydia's no longer into the cure. She's not the goth anymore. Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, she's now just a hovering. I don't know who that band is who, who did that. Let's if she does good, let's, if she does well in the maths that. test, then she can do a sing song. Yeah, and do some flying through the air. They, they can use their ghost ability to do kind of musical numbers. Yeah, and uh, mom and dad are quite happy that they're there. Yeah, it's weird because the dad is kind of uh, relaxed into his home now and he doesn't want to start a new business every two seconds and I think yeah. maybe Catherine Hart Dealey is making like Beetlejuice sculptures yeah oh yeah she is yeah which scares uh, the dad maybe maybe that will make her a world famous artist I hope so I hope so um, and if she does well on the master and effectively though they just live with Lydia now and have given up parenting yeah. In favor of the ghosts just raising their daughter. Well, why not? It's a bit easier. They've got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. Dad can just read his books and whatever. But at the same time, so um Thingy Beetlejuice is in the waiting room. He takes a ticket and it's like his number is nine hundred and ninety nine million something, something, something. Um and the guy next to him, who's like a tribesman, is like number four. Uh and he says like there's Michael Jackson or something like that. And then take is Elvis again? Because I'm like Elvis. <laughs> Elvis, yeah. He takes the four. I just love the way he's just like, uh, it's like I'm next. <laughs> it's like getting ready. <laughs> it's good because I've got something on later anyway. Um, and then obviously the guy uh, shrinks his head. I mean, even at the end, he says, "Yeah, I think this could be a good look for me." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we get a lovely musical number, and a good time was had by all in Beetlejuice. Yeah. So uh, I've got a bit of name game. It's quite quite a difficult one to do, but I think uh, we'll start with a couple of easy ones. All right. Um, so this first one is about the, the spirits of a deceased couple are harassed by an unbearable family that's moving to their home and they hire a malicious watery bird to drive them out. Or something like a waterfowl, I think is the technical term. <laughs> Beetle goose. Beetle goose. Yeah. <laughs> Next one. Spirits of a deceased couple are harassed by an unbearable family that's moved into their home and hire a malicious chocolate dessert. Should I say a delicious chocolate dessert to drive them out? Oh, is it Beetle Moose? Beetle Moose. Well done. Going to get a bit harder now and a little bit more uh, unsavory. Oh, oh um, God, without Ben here to help as well. 
uh, the spirits of a deceased couple are harassed by an unbearable family that has moved into their home. And to get them out, they hire it's like a metal runner uh, that piles in tons of unborn babies. Oh, geez. Um... It's like a like a piping, I guess, like a half pipe. <laughs> so they've sort of ran in through the but, window. But it piles in, it piles undead, in babies. Undead, undead uh, unborn babies, sorry. Oh, fetal sluice. Fetal sluice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one that I've got here, uh, spirits of a deceased couple are harassed by an unbearable family that's moved into their home and they hire... A British TV entertainer to drive them out. To drive them out, British entertainer hire so, so, a British entertainer to drive. They hire a British TV entertainer to drive them out. To drive them out, British entertainer hire oh, oh, very good. So, <laughs> Beetle Bruce. Beetle Bruce. Beetle Bruce Forsyth. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. Oh, I did all right with those. Yeah, four out of four. Ten points. Uh, now we need to rate the film. I um, I um, I saw Ben had rated on Letterboxd. Maybe not this time. Maybe the last time I watched it. He gave it a three and a half stars. We can't hold him to that because that could be a while ago. Maybe he's changed as a person. Um, maybe his tastes have changed. Become more refined. Become more of a Beetlejuice fan. I don't know. Uh, but... Let's just say his score is three and a half out of five for now. Yeah. Um, Which what does that what what would that make it? High C, low B, classic B minus. I'm I'd be like B minus C plus C B minus B sharp. That was, so that'd be then. So what what about you, Luke? What's your what's your take? I mean, it's got to be an A, hasn't it? <laughs> I don't understand how it could be anything but an A. I I just maybe it's a nostalgia blinding me, rose tinted glasses. Uh, I just think it's a, a, a like a perfect when I think of this kind of film this era Tim Burton the kind of the, the gothic stuff um, the stuff with all the undead people um, and just how entertaining uh, Michael Keaton is as Beetlejuice I just think it's like a solid A I can't think of anything yeah. that would change in it I, I, I can think of a way that you could maybe give it a little Lower, not, not that that's it. I think for me, I would give it, um, yeah, an A, maybe an A minus, maybe an A minus is where I'll go, and I'll tell you why. I think you could, if you if you purely watched it as a modern film, yeah. and you look at it, there are some bits today when you watch it where some of the cuts are a bit, some of the cuts are a bit jumpy, particularly when they go outside to what I now know is Saturn, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, there, there are a couple of bits there where, you know, perhaps the cuts are a little bit jumpy. There are some bits where just yeah. technically, from a from a purely technical standpoint, maybe it maybe it suffers a little bit. And maybe I can overlook those because of the the nostalgia factor. I think even with those though, if you're thinking about it from those senses and you're marking it for its maybe a few technical shortfallings, it's still a BB plus. Yeah, that's, so, I, I agree. I think um, if, if you'd never seen it before as a kid, you had no sort of reverence for it. I could see you going as a B, like a solid B, like it's a good movie. Um, 
but there's no sort of um rose tinted glasses or whatever but yeah, yeah. for me who had my third birthday party as a beetlejuice themed birthday party uh, it's a uh, it's just up there for me i just love it you're on the horror path so early Luke. three <laughs> years old and a beetlejuice birthday party yeah yeah it's inevitable i was going to start a horror podcast at some point yeah well, i don't remember what i had for my third birthday what was i into in Jeez, this is depressing. What was I into in 1986? Captain um, Scarlet. I was. I don't think that had come back. I think we were between Captain Scarlet eras in 1986. I was big into Bertha when I was a kid. It was about a robot that manufactured things. I don't know that one. Tonka it's like a fact. It's like a. It was like a factory, and you you gave Bertha the schematics, and it would build whatever you needed. Basically, any old shit in this machine, and it manufactured things. Made a mousetrap once. Um, yeah, maybe I was big into that at the time. But Nowadays, Beetlejuice, uh, is a, Beetlejuice is a great a great shout for your third birthday. I actually thought, like, when I was looking into it, I was like, not third birthday, that's too young. But, yeah, Dad's showed me some video clips <laughs> third birthday. Yeah, I've, I've just realised that I think maybe this is why I'm here as well. You know, I was big into as a kid. I was huge into Trapdoor. Trapdoor oh, was my favourite. I used to know. love Trapdoor. It's got an amazing theme song as well. What's yeah. beneath that Trapdoor? <laughs> yeah, Trapdoor was great. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to love, I used to love Trapdoor. So yeah, that's why we're both here on Horror Podcast. Claymation Horror has changed this in strange and unusual ways. Sorry, did you say your score? You said you're going to go for an A minus. No, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go A minus. I think, and with that, I feel I'm being fair and recognizing some of its modern shortfallings. Yeah, but, I'm also, unfair, but, I, I but also, but also, like I'm accepting that I have nostalgia for this. So for me, I'll give you a little nod and make it an A minus. People who expect me to mark it with modern eyes, it's still a great movie. Yeah. And I think Michael Keaton has so much charisma. Are they flirting with the idea of a second Beetlejuice, or is it a thing yes. that's actually happening? I I don't know. I, it came up in my random search for Beetlejuice. Uh, I don't know if I'd be keen on it. Not modern Burton. Modern Burton. Um, I don't know. He's. Uh, I mean, I didn't like the Willy Wonka film he did. Didn't particularly like yeah. the Alice in Wonderland films he did. We're getting a new Wonka as well, aren't we? As well. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Um, I uh, think after Sweeney Todd, that was kind of like uh, the cut-off point of premium Burton. Yeah. You earned your money, Tim. Come on. Just... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I saw Johnny Depp was maybe linked to linked to it. I mean, you can't have Johnny Depp play Beetlejuice, can you? It's got to be a... Yeah, game. it's one of those things. Like, I don't think it's necessary, but if Michael Keaton was back as Beetlejuice, I would go. He's Batman yeah. again now, so maybe he's just reliving, reliving them all. Yeah. Have you seen Birdman, by the way? I've not seen Birdman. I've not yeah, seen yeah. Birdman. It's on my never-ending list, but I've heard it's great. Yeah, I think it's like one of my favourite films. Um, more of the sort of like weird, slightly artier films, but it's really fun as well. Michael Keaton, he's he's just so good. Like he's he's just so so good. Um, puts everything into it, almost as much as he puts into Beetlejuice. Uh, so I, I, I've always liked Michael Keaton. I like him as the like the. 
like the chief in in the other guys with just quotes TLC songs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the other guys. That was the film. Uh, it was mine and Cat's first date. We went to watch the other guys. Oh, there you go. You see. Yeah. So obviously a momentous film. Yeah. Aim for the hedges or the bushes, whatever you say. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for listening. <clears throat> uh, sorry, uh, Ben couldn't be here today. Um, I'm sure he's okay. Uh, we'll find out next week <laughs> what happened to him. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, you can become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. We've just done in its a bonus, a bonus ode where we talked about VHS 94. So if you want to know our opinions on VHS 94, it's like a half an hour episode. Extra. Cheeky little bonus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks to our patrons, John Crennan, Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Toby Miller, Laura Krend- Kendrick, sorry, Scott Rigby, and Pazuzu. Uh, thanks John to- Crennan, of course. Yeah, yeah, against <laughs> his will. Uh, thanks to Kovac's <laughs> camera for our theme music. Thanks to ACAS for hosting the show. Uh, thanks to everyone in the Facebook group, Horror Hangout Board of Advisors. It's always lovely to uh, speak to you guys and hang out. And yeah, I think, oh, what are we doing next week? It's November next week. Um, now, what was first in November? I, I can tell you what we have on the docket, but I can't tell you what order it's in. So next month we have, um, last night in Soho was going to be out. So we were meant to be looking uh-huh. at that. Um, we have... Talk to you the Beyond, I think. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do the Beyond. Uh, we're gonna do the Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, a new yeah. new Ghostbusters, and I think we're gonna do Crimson Peak, right? But I cannot tell you in which order those films are happening. So one of those four movies, <laughs> or maybe a fifth one. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a right horror dude. Um, well, thank you, Luke. Yeah. Later. See you all next time. Such a bit. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.